we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. How is your mind to have complete, total order in action, in thought, in every movement, psychologically as well as physiologically? Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of extracts carefully chosen from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is order. Upcoming themes are fulfilment, health and Krishnamurti. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, an international boarding school offering a personalised, holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org.uk for more information. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on order has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk at Brockwood Park in 1978, titled How is one to have complete order in oneself? We are saying we live in disorder. Psychologically, we may have orderly room, do proper exercises, do so-called yoga. I won't go into that word, what it means, how it began and all the rest of it. It's not the moment. But we keep order outwardly, apparently. But there is disorder, astonishing disorder in the world. Perhaps that disorder is brought about by each one's psychological disorder. Disorder means contradiction in oneself thinking one thing, doing another, saying one thing and do the opposite of what you have said, or being uncertain, not clear, contradictory and so on. 
all that indicates disorder. And also, where there is contradiction, there must be effort, where there is division, there must be conflict, and so on. All that is a state of disorder in which we live. That's an obvious fact. And to bring about order psychologically, what is one to do? I hope you are challenging yourself and not accepting my challenge. Knowing consciously where that one is in disorder psychologically, what is one to do? How is one to bring about order? Because without order, psychologically as well as outwardly, one must live in chaos. As the world more and more is becoming chaotic, destructive, violent, which which shows a great deal of disorder in the world. And perhaps that disorder is projected by each one of us, because we live in disorder. So (coughs) we are asking, how is one to have complete, total order in oneself? Is that possible? Where there is order, there is tremendous energy. Where there is disorder, there is, the, there is the dissipation of energy, wastage of energy. So we are going to inquiring together. I am not inquiring to myself, but we are together inquiring, exploring into this question, what is order and can there be order without understanding disorder. So we are inquiring together to find out this actual state, the fact that we live in disorder. That's, is that a fact, not a verbal description of the disorder? The world is not the thing. The description of the disorder is not actual disorder. The description of a mountain, however beautifully painted, the beauty of the valley, the light, the snow, the, the, these lines according, against the sky, the whole sense of dignity, beauty of that mountain can be described most beautifully, but the description is not the actual fact. For most of us, description is sufficient. And so we are caught in the description, not with the actual fact. So when we are asking, what is disorder, is that an idea of what you think should be order, and in comparison with what you think should be order, there is disorder, which again is total disorder. I 
hope you're following all this. So we are going to find out what is disorder, and having an insight, a, a, a quick perception of the whole structure of disorder, then out of that comes order. That order is not according to a pattern, according to a blueprint, according to some sage or some uh, philosopher or some religious quack. And most religious priests and hierarchy and all the rest of it are super cracks. Even the new Pope, I hope. So, <laughs> so, are we aware first that we live in disorder? Not the definition of that word, but the actual fact of contradiction, of division. Me and mine and you and yours, we and they, and all that division that goes on within ourselves, the constant conflict. All that indicates disorder. And how do you observe that disorder? Say, for example, as we took yesterday, Attachment of any, in any form is a factor of disorder, and also a factor, as we pointed out yesterday, as we discovered yesterday, part of fear. So, attachment to a person, to an idea, to a conclusion, to a past memory, to a piece of furniture, and so on, and so on, does breed Disorder. Could we do we see that fact? And the freedom from from attachment, without becoming isolated, callous, indifferent, does that bring about? Certain order. Because what we are talking about is that when we have put everything in order, then there is a great deal of energy, tremendous energy. And you need that energy, one needs that energy to go most profoundly into oneself. So we are asking, discovering for ourselves, first the disorder we live, and the nature of that disorder, which is part of attachment, fear, and pleasure, and so on, and without directing it in a particular direction, 
hoping that will bring order, but just to be aware of this disorder, without any movement away from it. Are we meeting each other? Um, is that the speaker making the thing clear? That is, may I go into it? All right. Suppose I live in disorder, inwardly. I may have marvellous order outwardly, but inwardly perhaps I am in great disorder. And I ask myself, what am I to do? Is that disorder different from me, or I am that disorder? You understand this question? This is please. This is really important to understand, because if if the disorder is different from me, then I can do something about it. Then I can change the pattern move from one corner to another corner, or bring psychological order by suppressing, by control, by this and by that. I can do something about it. But if I am... The disorder is not different from me, which is a fact, that the disorder is me, then the problem arises, what what happens then? You are following all this? You are not listening to me, you are listening to yourself. Then perhaps you will bring about a change. But if you merely listen to the speaker, you can listen to him for the rest of your life, and I hope you won't. And if you merely listen to him, you won't change. But if you, if you yourself see that you live in disorder, and that disorder is not different from you, fundamentally, basically, you are that disorder, then what takes place? Before you could do something about it, because you separated yourself from it, and you operated on it. And therefore, in that there was constant conflict, betrayal. One day you could do it, the next day you couldn't do it, and so on, so on, fluctuating from day to day. Whereas the fact is, you are that disorder. That's a fact, not a conclusion which the speaker has come. Uh, come to and is trying to impose it on you, which is not. We are not doing propaganda of any kind, trying to convince you of anything. But if that is when the disorder is me, I can't do anything about it, which means I can't operate on it, as I used to before. So I remain in this total disorder. Are you doing this as we are talking, or is it just a verbal accumulation? 
She says, I am not different from that disorder. That disorder exists because I have divided myself from what I have called disorder. That's the base, that's one of the major factors of disorder. I've discovered that. Wherever there is a separation between me and psychologically what I observe, that division is one of the major factors of disorder. That is, when I call myself a Hindu and my, or myself a Muslim or Christian, Catholic or a British or a French or German, whatever it is, the division is a factor of disorder. Jew and the Arab. You've got obvious example every day that's happening. So, psychologically, when there is division between disorder and myself, I am encouraging and cultivating disorder. Whereas the fact is, the disorder is myself. And therefore, the realization, the truth of that, brings order. The second extract is from the second talk in Sanan, 1971, titled Can Control Bring Order? You know, first of all, one has to have physical order. Mustn't one? You are highly sensitive if I may use the word discipline, we'll go into that word, highly disciplined, sensitive, alive, not sloppy body. Hmm? Because that reacts on the mind. How is one to have a highly sensitive organism that doesn't become rigid, hard, forced into a particular pattern which, which the mind thinks is orderly, and so forces the body conform to a pattern or a, a design set by the mind. Right? We are following this? That's one of the problems. We'll come back to it. Then also, there must be order in the whole totality of the mind, the mind being the brain. And the mind being the capacity to understand, to observe logically, sanely, not to be caught in contradictory desires, purposes, intentions, 
this whole quality of mind, how is it to have total disorder, the psychosomatic order, without conformity, without the enforcement of a discipline thought up by the mind, and a mind that can observe very clearly, logically, sanely, and function totally, all round, not fragmentarily. See our difficulties first, what is involved in all this. One has to have order, that is absolutely essential. That we all agree to, right? What that order is, we are going to investigate together. Because in the world there is the order of the older generation, which is really total disorder, as one observes, in its activity in the world, in the business world, in the religious world, in the economic world, in the national world, and so on, total disorder. And in reaction to that, there is the permissive society, the permissive generation, that does quite the opposite of the older generation, which is also disorder. Isn't it? Please observe this. A reaction is a disorder. Right? And how is the mind, with all the subtleties of thought, with all the images thought has built about itself, the images that it has built not only about another and what it should be, and therefore living in a contradiction, the should be and what is, how is such a mind to have complete total order? So that there is no fragmentation, no reaction to a pattern which it, which it thinks is right, and therefore contradictory, opposing, and out of that opposition arises violence. Now, seeing all that, how is the mind, your mind, to have complete total order in action, in thought, in every movement, both psychologically as well as physiologically. Right? I hope you see the question first, 
you understand the question. See how extraordinarily complex it is. And the religious people throughout the world have said that you can have order only through a belief of a higher life, belief in God, a belief in something outside, and according to that belief, conform, adjust, imitate, force through discipline your whole nature and structure of the psyche as well as the physiological state. Right? And there is a whole group of behaviorists who say the environment forces you to behave. If you don't behave properly, it destroys you. And there is a whole set of people who believe and conform to that belief, whether it is the communist belief, religious belief, or a sociological, economic belief. So seeing all this, the division, the contradiction, in us as well as in society, in the world, and the counterculture against the culture, the existing culture, all saying that there must be order in the world. The military say this, there must be order. The priests say there must be order. And so on. You see, there must be order. And is order mechanical? Can order be brought about through discipline? Can order be brought about through conformity? imitation, control, or order, about which we shall talk, has nothing whatsoever to do with that, with all that, which is, it has nothing whatsoever to do with control, with discipline, in the ordinary accepted sense of that word, it has nothing whatsoever to do with conformity, with adjustment, and so on. Now, let us look at this whole idea of control, whether it does bring order. Which doesn't mean that I am that we are talking against control. We are trying to understand, and because we understand, we discover something entirely different. You're following all this, 
Am I going too fast? I hope you are as interested in it as I am. And as passionate about it too. Not just casually listen to a theoretical idea. We are not discussing theories at all or hypotheses. We are observing actually what is going on, actually, and seeing what is false and the very perception of seeing what is false is the truth. Right? You get it? You understand? I mustn't use the word get it, right? Shall we go on? So, first, what is implied in control? Because that's what all our culture is based on, all our education, all the upbringing of children. And in ourselves the urge to control. <coughs> now what is implied in that? We have never asked, why should we control at all? Now, we are going to go into that whole question. Control implies, doesn't it, a controller and a think control. Right? Please, do give your attention to this. Controller and a think control. I am angry, I must control anger. Where there is control, there is conflict. I must and I must not. And conflict obviously distorts the mind. Right? A mind is healthy, clear, sane, when it has no conflict whatsoever, so that it functions without any friction, then such a mind is a sane, healthy mind, and control denies that. Right? Because in control there is conflict, there is contradiction, there is uh, the desire to imitate and to conform to the pattern which you think you must do. Right? Is this clear? Shall we go on from there? So control is not order. Please. You understand, this is very important to understand this. 
through control one can never have order. Because order implies to function clearly, seen, wholly, without any distortion. But where there is conflict, there must be distortion. And control implies suppression, conformity, adjustment, and the division between the observer and the observed. Right? Now please, as you listen to what is being said, the mind must be freeing itself from the old culture of control. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Bombay, 1984, titled The Art of Living in Order. See how important it is to find out a way of living in which conflict, problems doesn't, don't exist. Because conflict and problems waste our energy. One has to find out why problems exist. There are mathematical problems, geographical problems, and so on, academic problems. We are not talking about those problems. We are talking about the problems of human beings. They are first human beings. Afterwards, they are scientists, engineers, businessmen, all the rest of it. First we are human beings. But when you give importance to other things, you forget that you are a human being. So please, together, let's find out. The art of living doesn't it mean to lead a life, a daily life, with tremendous precision, accuracy of order. Order does not mean, does it, conformity, following a pattern set and adjusting yourself to that pattern. We'll go into this slowly. Does it not mean that to become fully conscious, aware of one's soul, disorder? Are we aware of that? Or do we think that it's merely environmental difficulties? But inwardly, we are perfectly ordered. 
we are pointing out together that inwardly we live in disorder, in contradiction. That's a fact. Even the greatest saint, who are generally slightly neurotic, even the greatest saints live in disorder because they are trying to become something all the time. The very becoming, you understand? What I, mean? I hope you are following each other. Becoming. I am this, I will become that. In that endeavour to change what is to what should be, there is an interval in which the gap, in, in which conflict takes place. And that conflict is the essence of disorder. You've understood what I'm saying. Where there is division between classes, people, races, religions, and in ourselves a contradiction, a division. I am this, I must become that. In that there is a division. That very division is the root of disorder, because in that there is a contradiction. Well, I am this, I want to be ordered. When I say I want to be ordered, I recognize I'm in confusion. So I attempt to bring about order. So I make a diagram, a sketch of what is order, and then I try to follow that. We are saying, if you'll kindly listen together, that very fact is the cause of disorder. Right? Have you understood? Are we together in this little slightly? Not too much, but just enough. So, where there is division in us psychologically, there must be conflict and therefore disorder. Now, as long as there is disorder, trying to find order is still disorder. Right? You understand what I mean? I am confused. My life is in disorder. I'm fragmented, broken up inside. And being confused, out of that confusion, I create a pattern, an ideal, a 
scheme. And I say I'm going to live according to that scheme. But the origin of that scheme is born out of my confusion. Right? Clear? So, what I have to understand is, why am I confused? Why am I disordered? If I can understand that, then out of that comprehension, perception, order naturally comes without a single effort. That is, if I can find the causation of my confusion, then confusion doesn't exist. Then there is order. I don't know if you see this. Are we together in this little bit? Are we? Good. When you say yes, sir, do you really mean it? Or is it just verbal assertion? Let's get on with it. That is dishonesty. If we don't see things clearly, don't say yes. Say, I don't see it. Then we can together have a dialogue about it. But if you say yes, or what you are concerned is, then let's go on. So please look at it carefully. And this awareness of confusion, not we should not be confused, but the very awareness of confusion brings about the cause of the of it, the causation. So what is the cause? What is the cause? You understand? If I'm ill, go to a doctor, and the doctor, if he's fairly good, says, you, you are eating or doing certain things that upset your whole organism. So he says, don't do this, don't do that. So I change. I eat chocolate. In the same way, if we can find a cause then the effect is changed. And if you change the if there is a change in the effect, there is change in the cause. So order is only possible when we understand the nature of disorder. And the nature of disorder can be totally wiped out. If I am quarrelling with my wife, or the wife is quarrelling with me, I find out why we are quarrelling. If we like to quarrel, that's a different matter. But if we want to stop quarrelling, we say, let's talk about it. Let's see why we quarrel. 
then we find we are quarreling about opinions. I want this and you want something different. And thereby we begin to communicate with each other and ultimately come to some point where we both of us agree. So similarly, together, to live a life, the art of living so that it is completely ordered. That is the art of living. The fourth extract is from the third talk at Rajkat in 1981, titled Putting Your House in Order. If I don't put order in my daily life, that is in, inwardly, I cannot have order outwardly. That's very clear. Society is my relationship with another or with many. Society is made up like that. If I am greedy, ambitious, and you are greedy, ambitious, you are corrupt, I am corrupt, we produce a society, that which you have now in this present country. That's a fact. So can I? I am meditating now. Please follow, I am meditating. I am not seeking God. God is another invention of my thought. I wonder if you understand all this. If there is God, then God must wish man to have a rotten life. Right? But we human beings have created God in our image. I wonder if you see all this. Can I, before, not before, meditation is putting my house in order. My house, not the room, the, the house in which the mind lives. If the mind is not clear, has integrity, consideration, love, how can I possibly meditate? What has it has no meaning. So my first concern in meditation is whether I can put my house in order. Logically, please see the logic of it first, the reason of it. Then if you understand the logical conclusions, then I must begin with myself, my house. So, I am seeking security. Security outwardly, security inwardly. Right? That's what all of us are doing. We sacrifice the inward security to the outward security. Right? We are more concerned with the outward security. So, 
we want somebody to guarantee outward security. Government, the business world, if I am a worker, the business world must see that I have security. This is what is happening. So we want outward security and the communists and the so-called Marxists say, have that first. Then the human character, the human mind will change, which means change the outer circumstances, the state, the society, the government, change all that, then man will naturally be good. And you have seen the experiment in Russia and all the other parts of Eastern Europe that that doesn't work. Because man wants freedom, you can't suppress him. And because he is free, in the Western world and in India and in Asia, parts of Asia, his freedom is to choose. He says, I'm free because I can choose. But his freedom is within the field, please listen carefully, within the field of knowledge. You've understood this? So he says, within that field I can choose. Go from one corner to another, north, south, east, or west, and he thinks he's free. So, there must be freedom of order, which is intelligence. I wonder if you understand all this. So, can I put the. Can. Meditation put the house in order. Or first put the house in order, then that very order is meditation. You understand? No, you don't understand. Don't agree to something you don't understand. Sir, are we aware? without any direction, aware that we live in disorder. Are we aware of it? Aware in says, I know, I live in disorder. My room in disorder, ordinary room, disorder. My relationship is in disorder. My struggle, the very conflict indicates disorder. Am I aware of all that? Or uh, the speaker is telling you, and then you become aware of it. See the difference? Then you are not aware of it yourself. Somebody is telling you to be aware. I wonder if you see all this. So when you are aware of the fact that you yourself have seen that your house is in disorder, and out of that awareness, see what's the, what are the causes of disorder, 
when you discover the causes of disorder, causes, then what has a cause can end. May I go a little bit further? No, don't say yes. <laughs> this is not a game we are playing. God, see. We have been saying that the universe has no cause. If it had a cause, it would end. Anything that has a cause must either continue or end. Continue in the sense repetition, cause-effect. Now listen, cause-effect. The effect becomes the cause. The cause becomes the effect. It's like a chain. But the universe has not a cause, and therefore it is infinite. Whereas human beings have a cause, which is their causes, their action is based on either reward or punishment, which is a cause. I do this because I'm rewarded, or I don't do this because I'm punished. That you know. This is the common factor in all of us. I will change if you reward me, or if you punish me, I'll change. Therefore, there is a co- we are our existence has a cause. Therefore, please follow it. Therefore. Our existence, because there is a cause, can come to an end, which is death. You follow me? So, can the house be put in order without conflict, without determination? I must have, which again brings conflict, or. The house can be kept in order, inward house, by perception, only perception, that is, to see what is, not what should be, to see what is and remain with it. I wonder if you understand this. I'm in sorrow. Suppose I'm in sorrow. That's part of my house. The sorrow, which has come about for various reasons son's death, brother's death, husband's, whatever it is death, sorrow. And never to escape from it. Never to rationalize it. Because then you are away, you are moving away from the fact of sorrow. That is when you rationalize it, when you say past life, when you try to analyze it, 
that is moving away from what is. If you don't, if thought doesn't move away from what is, then you hold it, right? Like a vessel that holds water. That sorrow is the water, and your mind is the vessel, and is holding it, not moving away from it. Which means you have given complete attention to that which you are holding. You're following this, sir? No, no, don't you please? Then, when you give total attention, which is total perception, then that which you are holding has no meaning anymore. I wonder if you understand. Even logic, please just verbally even understand this. But when you begin to realize the, the depth of it, the beauty of such thing, then you are putting the mind is put the mind itself is putting order in itself. Not you are not separate from the mind. You are that. So when you hold it. Without any movement, mind itself is in order. Now, you suppose you put the house in order, which you have not, unfortunately. If you had, we would have a different society, different government, different relationship with each other. But since you have not, that's up to you. But suppose, but if you have put your house in order, complete order, by understanding totally what is disorder, not understanding what is order, by understanding what is disorder, out of that comprehension, realization, awareness, and giving your total attention to the various contributory causes of the disorder, then order comes without your seeking order. The final extract in this episode is from a direct recording by Krishnamurti in 1983 titled Order is the Very Essence of the Universe. It's a foggy morning. You can hardly see the orange trees, which are about ten feet away. School and all the hills and the mountains are hidden, and there is dew on the leaves. It'll clear up a little later. It's early morning yet and the beautiful Californian sun, cool breeze, will come a little later on. One wonders why 
human beings have always been so cruel, so ugly in their responses to any statement they don't like, ready to attack, aggressive. And this has been going on for thousands of years. One hardly meets nowadays a gentle person who is ready to yield, totally generous, and happy in his relationships. Last night there was the hooting of the owl. It was a barn owl, it must be very large. And it waited for its mate to reply. And the mate replied from a distance. And the hoot went down into the valley and could hardly hear it. It was such a perfectly still night, dark and strangely quiet. Everything seems to live in order, in their own order. The sea with its tides, and the new moon, and the setting of the full moon, the lovely spring, and the warm summer. Even the earthquake of yesterday has its own order. Order is the very essence of the universe, the order of birth and death, and so on. It's only man that seems to live in such disorder, confusion. He has lived that way since the owl began. Sitting on the veranda and talking to the man with the red climbing rose and the young wisteria and the smell of the earth and the trees. It seems such a pity to discuss with that visitor about disorder. When you look around at those dark hills and the rocky mountain and this whisper of a stream which will soon dry in the summer, all this has such curious order and to discuss human disorder, human confusion and misery, seems so utterly out of place. But there he is, friendly, knowledgeable, and probably given to thought. The mockingbird is on the telephone wire, and is doing what it generally does, flying into the air, circling, landing on the wall, and then mocking at the world. This he does so often, and the world apparently doesn't care, but the bird still mocks on. The fog is clearing, there is that spring sunshine, and the lizard is coming out, warming itself on the walk, and all the little things of the earth are busy. 
They have their order, they have their pleasure, amusement. All that seems such seems in such clear order. We all seem to be so happy, enjoying the sunshine. No man near to hurt them, spoil their day. If one may ask, the visitor began, what to you is the most important thing in life? What to you is the most essential quality that man must cultivate? If you cultivate, as you cultivate the fields of the earth, then it is not the most essential thing. It must naturally happen, whatever happens, naturally, easily, without any self-centered motives. The most important thing for all human beings, surely, is to live in order, in harmony with all the things around him, even with the noise of great towns, even with something that's ugly, vulgar, which doesn't affect all, alter the course of his life, alter or distort the order in which he's living. Surely, sir, order is the most important thing in life, one of the most, rather, in life. Order isn't created by thought. Order isn't something that you follow day after day, practice, conform. As the streams join the sea, so the stream of order, the river of order is endless. But that order cannot be if there is any kind of effort, any kind of struggle to achieve or to put aside disorder and slip into a routine, into various well-defined habits. All that is not order. Find out for yourself the many causes, or perhaps there is only one cause of this disorder. Those flowers know neither order nor disorder. They just exist. Because they were not watered, looked after, they would die. And dying also is their order. The bright, hot sun will destroy them next month. And to them that is order. The lizard now is, has warmed itself on the rock, it has become warm, and is waiting for the flies to come. And surely they will come. And the lizard, with its 
quick tongue will swallow them. This seems to be the nature of the world. The big things live on little things, and the bigger lives on the big. And this is a cycle in the world of nature. And in that, there is neither order nor disorder. But we do know for ourselves, from time to time, the sense of total harmony and the pain, the anxiety, the struggle, the conflict. The cause of disorder is the everlasting becoming, to become. To seek identity, the struggle to be, as long as the brain is so heavily conditioned, is measuring the more the better to move psychologically from this to that, must inevitably bring about a sense of conflict. And this is disorder. Not only the world more the better, but the feeling, the reaction of achieving, gaining, As long as there is this division, duality, there must be conflict. And so out of conflict is disorder. Perhaps one is aware of all this and be negligent, negligent of this awareness and carry on the art today to the days of one's life. This duality is not only verbal, but the deeper division as the thinker and the thought as separate from itself or from himself. Thinker is put together by thought. Thinker is the past. The thinker is knowledge. And thought, too, is born out of knowledge. Actually, there is no division between the thinker and the thought. They are one inseparable unit. But thought has placed a clever trick upon itself. It divides itself. Perhaps this constant division of itself, its own fragmentation, is the cause of disorder. Just to perceive all this, to see the truth of all this, the perceiver is the perceived. That realization ends disorder.
the mockingbird has gone and the morning dove is there his plaintive cry and soon its mate joins it they sit together on the toit silent motionless but their eyes their small heads are moving looking watching for danger the red-tailed hawk and other predatory birds have gone they were there an hour or two ago when they were gone perhaps they will come back tomorrow and so the morning ends and the sun now is bright without thousand shadows the earth is quiet and man is lost and confused